Well, we are continuing our collection of sermons to, as we talk about what pleases God. And last week we talked about faith. I had so much fun, as you know, additionally to like living in faith. I believe I have the gift of faith where God sometimes will tell me that this will happen and there's a certainty to it because with the gift of faith, it's as if it already happened, you know, and I'm holding on to it. And sometimes when you're making leadership decisions, how many know having the gift of faith propels you forward? And so I thank God for that. So we talked about faith. Now this week we want to talk about right thinking. And then next week we'll continue with another thing that pleases God. But I just want to be really clear. I, I desire to please God. How many people are with me? Like you just, you desire to please God. I mean, it's not a trick question. I, I'm, I'm praying like you're like, yes, I want that. I desire to please God. I want to do the right thing. Now, I know that there's a battle going on that tries to keep me from doing the right thing, but I want to please God. That's the way I've set up my life. I, I, I want to live and I want to do it in such a way that he looks down and when he looks at my life, he's pleased with the way I'm living, pleased with the way I'm thinking. That's the way I want to be. I realized this, that uh, the apostle Paul, he was writing to the church and he says this, he says, I'm, I'm praying for you. And he said, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. He said, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I mean, he's like, I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm praying for you. I want you to please God in every way. And as your pastor, I'm saying to you, I want you to please God in every way. I look at the Bible and I see that Jesus clearly pleased God the Father. I mean, the Bible tells us in John 8, 29, this is the words of Jesus. It says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. He's like, I always do what pleases him. And I thought, as I read that, I thought, he's the only one. He's the, okay, I was going to have you tell a percentage to your person sitting next to you, but just between you and God, what percentage do you think you always please him? Don't tell your neighbor, all right? What, what percentage? I mean, I think about it. I'd hate to see like throughout my day, like wrong choice, wrong choice, wrong choice. Didn't please. Not happy about that one. Nope, not happy. I mean, I mean, but I desire to do it. And so I want to talk to us today about our thinking aligning with God so that we can please him so that we have the right thinking. Because the biggest problem we have in, in pleasing God when it comes to this area is our own thinking. Our own thinking gets in the way. Jeremiah 17, 9 is so true. It says, who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. That's what Jeremiah was saying. Now, thanks be to God that he does heal our heart. He heals our minds. But in the Bible, the heart represented like our inclinations, our dispositions, our attitudes, our feelings, our desires. We could substitute it like this and in the... Pastor Rob translation, we could say, who can understand human feelings? There's nothing else so deceitful. They're too sick to be healed. I've heard so many people like, but I feel like this. I feel this. And I feel happy about this. And I feel this. And Jeremiah was saying, it doesn't matter what your heart feels. It doesn't matter. You have to get God's thinking. You have to have right thinking. And God's thoughts are not your thoughts. Matter of fact, that's what God tells us. He says, uh, he says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. 
says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, his thoughts. So I, I want to align with his, with his thinking. And he's saying there's a big gap between my thinking and your thinking and my thoughts and your thoughts. And I'm so grateful that he gives me the grace and the power to actually live this out. And I got to say this, when my thoughts and God's thoughts are different, God's thoughts are right. Okay? So they're like, oh, I was hoping for a different answer. All right. Nope. Really, in our postmodern thinking, in our postmodern world, we have this, everyone is right if they believe it to be true. You know, if I could borrow from Ted Cunningham, remember when Ted was here and he said his Minnesota father-in-law, whenever he disagrees with people, he just looks up from the table and he goes, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is right if they believe it to be true. Wrong. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jordan Peterson, he's a popular thinker right now. He's attacking this postmodern thought. He's saying that we live in a world where there are so many variables. That's what we say. It's so many variables that it's hard to interpret and perceive. So there can be no canonical, uh, canonical manner of interpretation that can be reliably derived. What is he saying? He's saying there's no absolutes. He's saying that people say my thoughts, my thinking, my this. When people say it may be true for me, but not true for you, or true for you, but not true for me, or they say, this is my truth. Wrong. <laughs> really? I mean, it's there. I mean, in contrast to our postmodern society, God's word is saying us that there's a right and, way, right and wrong way to think. That's what it's saying. It's saying there's a right way to think. There's a wrong way to think. Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures today. A lot of them. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Remember, that's your, your mind, your thinking, all the things that your, your motives, your feelings. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Man, there's, there's a choice to be made. There's a choice to be made. And I have a choice to decide, do I want to align with God's thinking or do I want to stay in my thinking? And it's so important to us because it's really lived out in the decisions we make every day. Yeah. Every day we make all these decisions and we have these moments. And all of a sudden we're thinking one thing and God's thoughts are totally different and we're there at a choice moment. How many know what I'm talking about? And you're at that choice moment, you're kind of like, oh, should I stay or should I go? If I stay there, will be trouble. How many know, you know, should I, all right, little theology there, all right. Should I stay or should I, and God's like, go, and you're like, stay. He's like, no. And so in that moment, we've got to figure out, am I going to lean on my own understanding or am I going to trust his understanding? And it's so important in every single area of our life. I mean, let me just give you an example. For instance, say somebody cheats you out of money, cheats you out of thousands of dollars, and you think, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get revenge on them. They, they better watch their back because I, they've got something coming. And then you realize that God's saying, like, you shouldn't have that anger, that you should forgive your enemies. You start realizing, like, you can get the money back, but you can't take revenge, and you should do it the right way. But you're thinking, if they took 1,000, I'm taking 10. 
and you start thinking I'm the up the ante and your, your self-interest starts coming in and your survival comes in and your convenience comes in and your self-pleasing comes in and your pride comes in and all this starts coming your way and you're trying to figure out if you should do this or not and then you start looking around for other wisdom. How many know what I'm talking about? We have all these sayings that we start realizing like, oh, 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 what goes around comes around. Obadaniel 317. It's not in the Bible. It's not real. All right. Okay. Obadaniel? I don't have that book in my Bible. No, it's not there. Oh, it's karma. Okay. You said, oh, you, uh, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. All right. We look for these sayings that are not in the Bible and they're just reinforcing our thinking to take revenge on someone. And, and, the, and all the time, you know, you're like, it, it, I, I thought it was in the Bible. I thought, I mean, it sounds good. It makes me feel good. I, I, you know, I, I'm just gravitating. No, no. And then we rely on others. How many know you'll call a friend? You know what they did? What? I can't believe it. Oh, 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 she's totally got to come to her if you do that back to her. And then all of a sudden the friend starts reinforcing it. You are so justified in your anger. Um, she's literally killing. Oh yeah, you, you need to take this. Up. And then that friend, a good friend, how many know a good friend will challenge you? A good friend will challenge you. And what's so sad is we're so deceived that even when God's word and his Holy Spirit's saying, these are my thoughts. If you have a good friend that, that tells you like, nope, you shouldn't do that. How many know we're still so selfish? The heart is so desperately evil. It's so deceived that we're like, well, some friend you are. Some friend you are. Yeah, nobody knows how bad I feel right now. Nobody knows the pain that I am going through right now. Not you, not God, not anyone. Oh, really? God's like, mm, I think I do. I think I do. I think I know what I'm talking about. Even when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so we fight against this. We fight against it and fight against it because our heart is so deceitful and our thinking is so wrong and it's adverse to how God wants us to live. And so we're living in this way and we're living in our own thinking. And then you know what happens? We ignore what God's word says. We ignore what the Holy Spirit says. We ignore what a good friend says. And then we go and do it anyway. And then we act out and we feel worse. How many know what I'm talking about? Feel worse. And then you're further away from God. And then he starts convicting you. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll get there in a minute, Paul's talking about Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 22 through 24. He talks about you're going to put off the old way and you're going to put on the new way. And before that, he said, the Gentiles, the people thinking the wrong way, he said, they've been thinking this way for so long, they're starting to harden their heart. And the word that he uses there, he's saying it's like petrified. It's like calcified. It's impenetrable. It's, it's taken on a, 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 just a hardness that doesn't want to even think about God's thoughts. And he's like, don't live that way. Don't live that way. That's the wrong thinking. That's not the way a follower of mine needs to live. Because if you live that way and you don't give in to what the Holy Spirit's convicted you, pretty soon petrified, calcified, hardened, and you're not going to be able to change. So thank God for a good friend. Thank God for the Holy Spirit convicting you and pulling you back. Thank God for his word that when you read it and you go, uh-oh, 
Thank God for those moments and that we can align with, with his thinking and that we wouldn't want to be petrified and, and calcified. When we act out on our own thoughts, it's implied from Proverbs chapter 3 that if we act out on our own thoughts, we have crooked paths. Because it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Right? So if we trust his thinking and we align with his thinking, straight paths. Straight paths. Good paths. Good life. But he says, if we don't trust him, if we don't live that way, you know what happens? All of a sudden we have crooked paths. We have bad things. And it, it even says ill health. Proverbs 3, 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. He's like, if you align with God's thinking, if you align with his wisdom, if you don't trust what you know, if you don't trust what's been handed down because of your nationality or whatever you want to say or whatever you want to blame it on, your wrong thinking that doesn't align. He said, if you, if you, if you do that, if you don't align, it's going to have bad bones. It's going to have bad health. But he says, if you align with me, good health, good bones, obedience, right thinking. It does a body good, like milk. All right. So it does good. All right. But the change has to be made. All right. And we have to submit. We need to submit our thinking to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. There's so much in the Bible. This, each of these weeks in this series could be a whole collection. It could be a whole other series. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, again, the writer of Romans is saying, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. It's like, I'm going to present myself. I'm like, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. You've got me. And, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to submit to you. We don't like that word, but I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to come under. I'm going to, I'm going to submit to you. And I want to do this. And, and you know what? As I do this, it's going to transform my thinking. And as I transform my thinking, I'm going to start knowing what you want me to do and then I'm going to start doing that. And then I'm going to put a smile on your face. And that's the progression. I mean, I want to do this. I want to know his will. I want to live in his wisdom. I want to do this. I want to, I want to pursue this. And I want to submit to God. And I want to have this wisdom that says, I will apply this. I'll live this way. And I will present this. And if we do this, seriously, we're going to see the smile of God on our life. We're going to feel this. And instead of feeling guilty, we're going to feel the smile. That's good. We need to submit. We need to submit to this. And as we submit, we're going to start doing the right things. And, and I know that word, we don't, it just means come under. Come under. I want to submit for straight paths, good bones, good health, good life, and for putting the smile on God's face. Now, after we submit and we pursue God's thought, here's, here's what happens. He invites us to ask for his thinking. How many know that? He says, you can ask for my wisdom. You can ask. You, you, want, you want to please me? You want to have your mind renewed? You want to know what I think? You can ask me. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. So if I were you, I would start asking. 
God, I need your thoughts. God, I desire your thoughts. God, I want your wisdom. God, I want this and I desire this and I will ask away for the things I need. He's saying, you know what? I, I want to please God. I presented myself. I want to I ask these things of God. I mean, he invites us to do that. Now, as we pursue this, we have to fight the lazy within us. How many know there's a lazy within us that doesn't want to pursue this? All right. There's a pursuing that has to take place. And we've got to be active in pursuing to know what God's thoughts are. We have to be active. First Peter verses one, or chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, so then, have your minds ready for action. Keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Be obedient to God and do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant. And so Peter's saying like, guess what? You can go after it. You can fight for this. You, you know, before you were ignorant, before you had wrong thinking, you didn't know God's thoughts, but now you're getting to know it. And he's like, I want you to be active in this. Matter of fact, occasionally I, I'll go back and read the King James or the new King James. How many people here in all the campuses, raise your hand if you still like love the old King James? Like eight of us. All right, you know. There's all those words and wherefore and thou and therefore, you know. But there are some really good verses there that, but this is one that just sounds stronger in the King James Version. And by the way, there's so many versions. I love all the different ones. And um, I was reading in our soap the other day and I was using the Passion Translation and it said, hold nothing back. And with that being our theme, I was like, there, oh, that's awesome. That's like, might be my new favorite translation. But first Peter, this is old school. All right, listen to how strong these words sound. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. He says, gird it up. And, and for you and I, gird, like, okay, it's a strong word, but in the way that they dressed, they had long flowing robes. And whenever they were serious to get to work, they would gird it up. They would pull it up and they would gird it up. And they'd say, I'm serious, we're here to work. We have tightened the belt and the clothes are not hanging down. We, have girt, we are ready to do something. And Peter's saying, man, gird up the loins of your mind. Like, you got to fight for this. You got to pursue this and go after it and fight the lazy. So we're going to ask God for his thoughts. We are going to fight the lazy and really gird up our mind. We're going we're to be aggressive. Like, God, I want to know your thoughts. What are your thoughts? I'm going to look into your word. I'm going to know your thoughts. And then as we pursue God's thoughts, we're going to take captive thoughts or become captive by thoughts. Right. Let me read two scriptures for you. Second Corinthians 10, five, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If my thoughts are disobedient to what God's thoughts are, I'm taking that thought captive and I'm saying you will get in line with the thoughts that God has. That's what it says. I'm going to take every thought captive that doesn't align with his word and with what his Holy Spirit is saying. And I'm going to take that thought captive and make it align with that. And if we don't do that, listen to what it says in Colossians 2.8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. 
He's saying, if you're going to win this battle and you're going to please God with the way you think, there's a battle going on. When you get thoughts that are out of alignment, you're going to take those thoughts captive and you're going to bring them in alignment. And if you don't watch it, the thoughts of this world will capture you and drag you away to your former way of thinking. He's like, that's not how you're supposed to live. Don't do that. I'm trying to help you walk and please God. These people that... The Apostle Paul was talking to them, they had no history. They had all sorts of wrong thinking. And I'm sure when they'd listen to his sermons, they'd be like, ooh, that's wrong too, all right. And another, ooh, all right, that's wrong too. All right, help us out. He was, they, were, they were just lost and dark and into all sorts of sin. And that's why when you read those epistles, you just see like these, come on, I'm trying to help you get into God's, I'm praying for you. I, I want you to get, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Let your mind be transformed. And if you do that, you're going to know is pleasing and good. You're going to make us, him smile. You capture that. This is what's going on. If we're going to please God, we're going to have to have his thoughts. Another thing is we're going to have to put off old thoughts and put on new thoughts. All right. Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 through 24. I referenced it early. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, he's like, remember I was telling you, I'm telling you, you gotta take off the old thinking. It's gotta go. It's like cleaning a closet. You walk in there and you're like, that is not in fashion anymore. We're going to get a write-off for that one. Where's the Goodwill box? All right, you know. It's not in fashion. We're going to take it off. We're going to put it out. (laughs) How many many guys have ever done this? Like you've gone to work and then you come over your work and your wife goes, did you wear that to work? You're like, yep, I did. I'm wearing it right now. I think I did. Oh, no. Then she throws it away and then you go and dig it out. How many? Come on. You're like, that feels good. That's a, like, no, that's got to go. Don't dig it out of the garbage. Take it off. Take, he said, you know, take off that old way of thinking, and I want you to be made new in the attitude of your mind. It's time to clean your closet. The closet of your mind. And, and you can gird up, and you can attack it. Like, Lord, this is the way my family said to deal with this. What do you say? This is what my friend said, how to deal with this, but what do you say? This is what I've always thought about this, but what do you say? And you want to submit to it and you want to clean. I'll clean out the old thoughts, the wrong thoughts, all right? Another thing we can do to have right thinking that pleases God is to fill our mind with good thoughts. It's just filling it. Like we're putting off, putting on, but you're like, okay, well, that's pretty obvious. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you understand how much of the Bible is, that we've just been reading this whole New Testament. I mean, do you understand how much of this is saying like, come on, new thinking, new thinking, new thinking, new thinking. This is what pleases God. New thinking, aligning with his, with his thinking. I had somebody text me on Saturday morning and they said this about the soap sprint. They said, my closeness to God took on a whole new level. They were just so excited about it. And they said, should we read the Old Testament in February? I said, knock yourself out. All right, maybe add March to it. All right, 
You know, all right, I do have to let you know, we'll do a couple more sprints this year. I think we're doing the whole book of Psalms in July. I think we're doing the epistles again in September. Going through, we're doing a couple more sprints. Man, you know what happens? You start filling your mind with the things of God and it just pops off the page at you. And then, you know, I don't know about you, but I was, you know, you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I was like, didn't he just say that? He does, and he said it again, he said it. And it just reinforces it. And then you're reading what Paul says to this church. And then it says the same thing. And you're kind of like, there's a theme here. There's a theme here. He wants us to have new thinking. There's a theme here. We are pretty dirty people and he wants us to be pure, right? And so you start filling your mind with the good and you start doing that and all of a sudden, man, you start to mature and you start to change and your thinking starts to change. And I never thought I'd say this, but like, I love broccoli, all right? I love broccoli, it's good for my soul to say that, all right? I hated it when I was a kid. My parents said, when you mature, your tastes will change. They used to get really expensive food and like really awesome Chinese food and shrimp and all that stuff. And we're like, ugh, give me a hamburger. They're like, gladly. <laughs> and then when our tastes started to mature, then they're like, oh no, hide the Chinese from it. You know what I mean? It was, okay, your tastes start to mature. You start to love things better. And Paul is encouraging the church and he says this in, Philippian, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. He's, he's getting ready. He's saying, I'm pressing on for God. He said, I'm living for the well done. Guys, I'm not worried about this world anymore. He's like, I'm really thinking about heaven all the time. He's like, that's what I'm doing. And this is what he said in Philippians 3.15. All of us who are mature should think in this same way. And if any of you think differently, God will make it clear to you. He's like going back, like if you ask him, if you fight for him, if you gird up your loins, he's like, if you're mature, you're going to think this way. You're going to stop thinking about this world. You're going to stop thinking about this stuff. You're going to start wanting to align more and more with what God has for you. If you're mature, you're going to think that way. If you're mature, you know what's going to happen? Your thinking changes, just like your taste buds change. And all of a sudden, things that you didn't think you'd like, you align with. And then the thought of going back to those things. I mean, years ago, I gave up sugared pop, all right? If I ever have to, all of a sudden, oh my, how is there so much sugar in there? You can't even believe it. I, you're just like, is there anything else to drink? My choices are water and sugar pop. And I'm, I'm a little tired on water right now, but I'm going back. There's just, oh, how did I ever drink? I used to drink like eight Mountain Dews a day, you know? I can't believe that I did that, you know? I don't even drink diet caffeine Mountain Dew. You know I mean, I, it's like you just taste that sugar. And he says, you know what? If you mature, you won't live for those things anymore. If you mature, your thinking's gonna be different. If you're maturing in Christ, if you're, if you're submitting to him, if you're asking for that wisdom, if you're applying this to your life, if you're putting off the old and putting in the new and you're thinking on the good, you know what happens? Your palate changes, your mind changes. And then you know what happens? You start pleasing God. You start pleasing God. And even without trying, your daily life is so aligned with his thinking 
that you start pleasing God in the little things. And those little prompts that are there, you're following those and you're pleasing God and you're pleasing God. And I wouldn't want a percentage on it, but I'd say it's probably exponential growth in your life because you've been maturing in doing this. All of a sudden, you don't think the same way about anger anymore or fleshly desires or money. You don't think the same way about forgiveness. You don't think about this world the same way. And all of a sudden, your thinking changes. And you start pleasing God. And I, I want to put a smile on his face by the way I think. Yeah. I know you do too. I want to put a smile on his face by the way I think and that I align with his thinking. Whenever we're at odds, I submit to his thinking. And I look for further understanding. And even if I don't have further understanding, I still submit to his thinking and his word and his way because I want to put a smile on his face. So God, I pray for our church right now that we'd put a smile on your face. I pray that our thinking would align with what your word has to say. We do believe that we have so many wrong thoughts, bad thoughts, evil thoughts, family thoughts, things that have been passed down from generation to generation, thoughts that we've run after. And so God, we bring those to you, we put those off, and we say, God, put in new thoughts. Help our thoughts to align with your thoughts so we put a smile on your face. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.